Welcome to Biblical Higher Ed Talk, where we tap into the wisdom of leaders and practitioners of biblical higher education for the advancement of colleges and universities teaching the way of Christ in the modern world. Each week, we'll tackle topics around leading your organization, expanding your impact in the world, and deepening your faith through Christ-centered conversations. Ready to make a difference in the lives of your faculty, staff, and students? Then let's begin our journey. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Philip Dearborn, president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education. And I have been looking forward to this episode now for quite some time. It's a special Christmas episode, an opportunity for you to get to know the ABHE leadership team a bit more as we anticipate this time of year. Many of you know the folks that are part of my leadership team, but just in case you don't, Dave Metters is our Executive Vice President, Lisa Beatty is our Executive Director for the Commission on Accreditation, and then finally we have Carol Dibble as our Chief of Staff. So Dave, Lisa, Carol, welcome to the show. So just a heads up to our listeners, this is not a content-heavy episode. Sometimes it's good not to be so serious and to have a little bit of a change of pace. So feel free to put this on 2X and listen to the episode a little bit faster if you want to. But I trust that you enjoy getting to know the ABHE leadership team just a little bit better. So in order for us to do that, let's just start off reflecting back over our Christmas experiences. Describe for us your favorite childhood memory. We're going to start with Carol, then we're going to go to Lisa and Dave, and then I'll round us out. So Carol, Describe for us your favorite childhood Christmas memory. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say it was my favorite, but it's one of my earliest memories. How about that? My mom passed away when I was nine years old. So one of my special Christmas memories as a child, we lived in New Jersey, and this was before she passed. And uh, I just remember her always, Christmas was very special time in our house for her. She loved dressing us up in our velvet clothing and she made our clothes and she also loved to play the piano. And so we would always, I I just have a lot of memories of us sitting around the piano, singing songs and having family time around the Christmas tree. So I don't remember much, but we've had many, many photos of those memories in that gathering together. Thanks for sharing. Let's go to Lisa. So thanks. It's so great to to be part of the podcast today. I have so many sweet memories. Just real quickly, one that was not so sweet was that my grandmother always served oyster stew for Christmas Eve. And so Ooh. I had to sort of get through the oyster stew in order to enjoy my Christmas. But there's nothing like smelling oysters in the house around Christmas season, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not my favorite meal, although I came to appreciate it because I loved her. So we we continued the tradition for a while after she died. But one of my favorite Christmas memories, and this may say something about me, was competing with my little brother, who was nine years younger, to see who could get up and get our stocking first. And so I would get up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I would sort of meet my parents in the hallway as they were going to bed. I'd get up in the middle of the night, go get my stocking, and my little brother would wake up as early as he could to get his. 
He never won that competition. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that that lasted until I was married, till I left home. And I think it actually had a pretty strong influence on my wake up time, which is somewhere around 4 a.m. these days. (laughs) So did you win last year? Oh, well, we have tried to sort of let it go at this point because I, I would like to present a good example for my grandchildren. So good, good, good. How about you, Dave? I have so many great memories growing up and some of these won't surprise you, but dad was a pastor. And so we always had Christmas pageants of one thing or another. It was always fun playing different roles, whether it was Shepherd or Joseph or a sheep or Lord knows what. But my mother and and mom was a pianist as well. And so like Carol said, we couldn't all equally sing, but we would gather around the piano at Christmas time. And that's when I fell in love with I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas and Chestnuts Roasting Over open fire and all this kind of thing. But mother's family was from Southern Indiana. Great experience of going there and growing up in Alabama, that was snow country. And so going there and being able to go out on Christmas and go sledding, that was way up there. And I love it. Little did I know that God would fulfill that dream with moving to Canada for 19 years. And I had plenty, plenty snow on Christmas. You sure did. There's no question about that. So thanks, Dave. And Philip, what about you? So for me, my mom consistently every Christmas would make uh, sticky buns, homemade sticky buns. And so I have many Christmas memories of, and she'd make them for breakfast and we'd all come down the stairs for breakfast. And I I know my parents did, did this intentionally. They would stall breakfast and make it super long and read the Christmas story, uh, from from multiple from all of the gospels and from the old testament ju- just to kind of make us wait for, for the christmas <laughs> gift giving time anticipation um, that's right but just that memory of just coming down the stairs and smelling those buns baking was just a fantastic fantastic experience it's kind of funny as she got older she got healthier with how she made them and so I remember my teenage years, instead of the butter kind of stuff that's inside of it, she replaced it with like thinly sliced apples, thinking that that would somehow replace the, the butter experience. But definitely a good memory for us. You think so. that might be a notch above the oyster stew? That, it, it, ooh. Oh, wow. Especially dipped in the oyster stew. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a, yeah. That's not such a positive Christmas memory. That would be a very negative one. So, okay, well, thank you all for sharing those memories. That's great. So we're going to do a lightning round of questions. And uh, so I just have a a series of questions here that are Christmas related, and we'll ask you to go ahead and answer them. So here we go. Uh, We'll go in this order, Lisa, Dave, Carol, and then I'll, I'll share mine. So first one is favorite Christmas song or Carol? Lisa? So hard this question is for a musician. But I'm going to say that my favorite carol is Of the Father's Love Begotten. I don't know if it's a carol that you know, but it was written in the fourth century, probably to refute the Arian heresy. And it's just got a beautiful melody. So I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to say for both the lyrics and the tune, Joy to the World is way up there. But having heard people who had the capacity to sing this well, Oh Holy Night, both the lyrics, which are profound. Anyway, those two. Yep. Carol? And I, I'm with Dave. Uh, oh, Holy Night is my all-time favorite carol. It makes me uh, emotional every time I every time I sing it. 
Absolutely. So we're going to go three, three out of four for Oh Holy Night. No, hands down, just my favorite. The imagery of it, we would go to candlelight services and and that was always one of the songs that was sung during that time. So just, just so many images. So that's great. Okay. So next question, we could have added oyster to the list on this one, but your best Christmas or your favorite Christmas meat, you get to choose between turkey, ham, goose, or minced meat pie. Yeah, so I'm actually going to do other. My mom always Boy, I'll made tell you an what. incredible pork loin roast. It was so delicious. It would just fall apart with sage dressing for Christmas. So sorry not to comply with the four options. So so just may it be noted that the Commission on Accreditation representative on this call <laughs> is deviating from uh, what the standard question was and did something else. So thank you, Lisa. Appreciate that. Dave, how about you? Turkey, ham, goose, or mincemeat pie? Well, I could concur in one sense with what Lisa said, but to me, if you take a properly spiral cut ham with a right glaze on it, and here's the way it works. You never eat all of this meat on Christmas Day, and I like ham leftovers better than I like turkey leftovers, hands down. So ham it is. Ham it is. How about you, Carol? (laughs) I, you know, we have ham and turkey every year, and I love, especially love ham because we always make split pea soup with the leftover ham. Wow. And when we do turkey, my favorite is the dark meat, no white meat. Love the dark meat. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Dark meat on the bone or off the bone? Off the bone. Got it. Okay. All right. Good. So I would have to say for me, ham, no question about it. We're huge. We love Thanksgiving. We love Christmas. Thanksgiving, it's turkey and Christmas, it's ham. There's, you can't mix the two. So, and (laughs) have any of you actually had a minced meat pie? Nope. Sure. Have you really, Dave? Yeah. Explain the experience to us. I wouldn't go seeking it at a restaurant if it was on the menu, but there are people that would, you know, it's like the way I feel about some fruitcake. There's people that have a appetite for it and they think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it ranks just below the oyster stew. That That's where I would go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Carol, just note for our Christmas party for the staff, minced we're going to have oyster stew and, and uh, minced meat pie. pie. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking we would now introduce sticky buns. Oh, sticky buns with oysters that inside. That I can do. No, without <laughs> apple slices, just the butter. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Okay, so favorite Christmas movie, Lisa. Okay, I have a lot of favorite Christmas movies, but I'm going to actually have to go with the Muppet Christmas Carol, which might seem like an odd <laughs> choice. But it is near the top of my list because I have great memories of watching it with my girls. And, you know, we know a lot of the quotes throughout the movie. So I'm going to I'm going to go with my girls and say the Muppet Christmas Carol. Lisa, you shock and amaze us. I never would have thought (laughs) the Muppet Christmas Carol would be your favorite. So that's what Oyster Stew will do for you, Philip. That's what it does. That's what it does. How about you, Dave? Well, in the classic, A Wonderful Life uh, is way up there. But if you're in the laughter mode for Christmas, Home Alone is way up there, especially the way he befriends that elderly gentleman and then who's uh, bereaving or grieving his loss and they connect in church. Besides the obvious humor, there's a beautiful underlying thread through that that's pretty impressive. 
Biblical Higher Ed Talk is sponsored by ABHE, the Association for Biblical Higher Education. At ABHE, bringing the love and light of Christ to the world is reflected in our drive to see our member institutions flourish, leading them to a time of success for their institution and giving them the tools and insights they need to look toward the future. Interested in learning more about membership with ABHE? Visit us at abhe.org or send us an email to membership at abhe.org. ABHE is your partner committed to advancing biblical higher education for kingdom impact. Now, back to the show. Okay, we'll add that to the Christmas viewing season this year. So Carol, how about you? So my all-time favorite is the classic White Christmas with Bring Crosby and Danny Kaye. Love them. And every Christmas. And followed by Elf and Christmas Vacation. They're the funny Ooh, ones. Yes. They Elf make and me Christmas laugh. Vacation. Yep. 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 That, that bowl full of spaghetti with syrup Absolutely. all over it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Put a couple of clams on it and we're set. <laughs> Okay, so for for me, it would have to be, yeah. and it's related to the kids, the Santa Claus, Tim Allen. That's a good one. Uh, classic one. And the reason why was we, we watched that literally throughout the entire year because it was the one movie that whatever the age the kids were during that time, they all, it was age appropriate for them to watch. And it was like, if they're upset or teething or whatever else, we just throw that video in. If you're listening to this and don't know what a video is, it's a VCR. It's how we watched movies back in the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Carol, come on now. I, I know you know that. But it did wonders to put the kids to bed and, and, and ready for bed. So definitely hands down the Santa Claus. So when it comes to our Christmas trees, are we real or are we fake? Lisa? So we've done both, but I love to put the tree up early and enjoy it for longer than just, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving to Christmas. So in recent years, fate. So there was a word early on in this description about childhood. And I'm like Lisa, as you get older and you start putting trees up after Thanksgiving and it runs till New Year's, then fake doesn't do the thing, same thing that all the whatever on a real tree. But having said that, there's nothing like the scent of a real tree. I love that for Christmas. That's way up there. But in the living room where we were growing up, it was thick carpet and cleaning up the needles after Christmas. That was a pain. And that was my job and to get it out back and burn the thing up, etc. So as I got older, my affections moved more towards the fake and no needles. Okay. All right. So you're fake too. Carol, please save us. Are you fake so or real? So for the last 30 years, I've spent Christmas with my best friend and her family. And they live in Oregon, which is Pacific Northwest and, you know, evergreens. And it's real all the way. And typically we would get the Christmas tree a week before Christmas. And sometimes we'd go up to the mountain and chop it down, bring it back. Sometimes we go to a lot. But oh, how fun. yeah, so great memories with a real tree. All right. So we have two fakes real. And I'm going to have to say, we started out real. In our first uh, year of marriage, we got a, a real tree. We had this tiny apartment and moved that thing in, and we had it up for the Christmas season. 
And when it came time to take it down, we obviously had to take it outside. Our apartment was so incredibly dry. By the time that tree, we pulled it outside, it had left a trail of needles from our apartment all the way up to the stairs, all the way outside. There was not a needle left on it by the time we got outside. That's what I'm talking about, Philip. So at that point, we said, we're fake. So ever since, so first year of marriage, it was real. And then it was fake from there on out. Okay, so finally in our lightning round, our favorite all-time Christmas gift, Lisa. Oh, this was really a hard one. And I am going to go back to my childhood. I had an older sister. I talked about my little brother. Now we're going to talk about my older sister. So my dad built my sister and I a playhouse in our basement. They He worked on it at night. He worked hard all day, came home, worked on it at night took it apart and hid it every day so that it was a complete surprise to us. It was white with a green roof and shutters. It had a bunk bed for our dolls, had a stove with a door that opened and a kitchen table that folded down. And we played in that house until we were too big to get in and out the door. It was just such an amazing gift. And then 20 years later, my daughters got to play in it as well. And so that that was just such an amazing surprise and just such a wonderful gift. Yeah, that is great. Dave? The fact that it said childhood rewound the tape for me. And I'll just observe that that's a longer rewind than anybody else on this Zoom call. But I remember when I was in junior high school, I got I was going to be a doctor and I got a string of chemistry sets and dad allowed me to set up a lab in the back of his office, et cetera. But I thought I had reached as we was in Alabama high cotton one year. And I want to say this was around when I was in the sixth grade, I got a copy, just humor me here, a copy of Gray's anatomy. And I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. This was the classic book about the human anatomy. And I would devoured this thing and wrote papers on stuff anyway. So looking back, I hadn't thought about that for decades, but that was a remarkable high point of Christmas gifts. Wow. So you're like a frustrated (laughs) medical doctor right now. No, I'm a liberated medical doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So now now we know who to go to if we have a cold or something. So, huh. Thank you, Dave. (laughs) Carol? I'm with Lisa. This was a, this one was a hard one because I've received some really great gifts over the years. And I'm not going back to childhood. Mine is probably going to go back about three years. One year we had a friend join us for Christmas and there were 10 of us. And he, here he is coming into this household with all these people. And so he had gotten a bunch of beautiful cashmere scarves and he put them on a pile. He didn't wrap them or anything. He just threw them in a pile in the middle of the floor. And then he passed out numbers. And so we had to draw numbers and then go in order to pick a scarf. And of course I drew number nine. So I was, there were only two scarves left by the time it got to me, but I actually got the one I wanted and it was really special. And so I call it my Denny scarf and I still wear it. So that was a very fun, it was a clever, it was very clever, creative, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Great. Thanks for sharing. So for me, so uh, having having three kids and Christmas, you get multiple gifts when they're younger and it's the thought behind the gift, right? It's 
probably things that I'll never use, but of course they were special because they came from our three kids. So one year, I'll, we, they, they actually got together and bought me my first iWatch. And it was the first gift that I received from my kids that was useful. <laughs> All the other gifts were appreciated, but it was the first one like, okay, this is, this is great. I actually could use this gift. So uh, we reflect back on it. That was definitely one of those turning points. They've not since gotten me anything. So <laughs> that was, that, it was just a one year that I got that one thing. So <laughs> kids, I'll tell you what. So, so thank you all for, for sharing on that lightning round. So we're going to switch gears uh, and get a little bit serious in, in our podcast uh, episode here. Definitely this time of year is, is special for us as, as Christ followers. So we obviously enjoy everything that comes around and the, the physical gifts that we receive and all of the memories and things that we've already talked about. But Christmas is all about the best gift of all and that salvation through Jesus Christ. So from a spiritual perspective, uh, what's the most meaningful aspect of Christmas for you personally? And Dave, we'll, we'll start with you. I wish I could express this with greater of what I feel inside, but to me, the wonder of the incarnation, the fact that God the Father, the Ancient of Days, the King of Kings, gave his own son, and all that, that unfolded with that, that this is an expression of God who is love, the heart of Christ and obedience, the spirit of humility, the Philippians 2 passage. But it's the wonder of the incarnation. And every time you see a manger with a babe in it, I don't know which artist I'm, I'm painting, but one has that with a shadow of a cross above it just what that means of who God is and how much he loves us. It's more than stunning. It's humbling, compelling. When Paul writes, the love of God compels us. That's it. I am not going to be as articulate as the three of you, but a first that I reflect on each Christmas is John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And every Christmas Eve, probably for the last 10 years, I would attend the candlelight Christmas service at 11 p.m., which I just absolutely loved. And it was always a reflective time of scripture reading and singing hymns. And at midnight, we would always end with Silent Night as we lit our candles one by one. And as the room got bright, it was a reminder to me that our Savior Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, my rescuer, came humbly to this earth and was born. It's a promise fulfilled. And he would one day die to take my sin on himself. There is, there's a quote by Andrew Peterson that I just love called, he says, the gospel gives me hope and hope is not a language the dark voices understand, which I think is very profound. And even when sometimes life gets dark and I think of all those candles lighting a dark room, I remember that Jesus is the light of the world and my desires and my hope are in him. And that's what I celebrate. Love it. Carol, that's beautifully stated. That's better than the three of us could have said. So thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. Lisa? Yeah, absolutely. So at the institution, the ABHE institution that I served at for 29 years, we had a concert 
Christmas time called Starlight Carols. And uh, we did a candlelight service at the end. I mean, it's just a lovely, lovely memory. And one of the things I love about Christmas is all of the music that's connected with it as a musician. And the Old Testament, you know, exhorts us as believers to sing. I looked up a couple of verses and just in these three verses, seven times, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises seven times in those, just those three verses. So it makes complete sense to me that the Messiah's birth is celebrated with song. And if you're looking at Luke 1 and 2, there's just this explosion of song that is part of the celebration of, of Christ's birth. So Mary's song in Luke 1, and then Zechariah's song, and then Simeon's song, of course. And in fact, the angels singing Gloria in the fields with the shepherds. And so I just love the fact that words don't suffice to announce and celebrate Christ's birth. You know, later on during the triumphal entry, when he's being told, Jesus is being told by the Pharisees to rebuke his disciples. And he says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And that's sort of the feeling that you have in Luke 1 and 2. When I was a teenager, I embroidered a sampler, so something else you didn't know about me, Philip. Along with the tap shoes in my closet, I also did some embroidering. And the sampler said, for heights and depths, no words can reach. Music is the soul's own speech. And music heightens the emotional impact of words. Heaven poured out its praise through Mary and Zechariah and Simeon. And even that wasn't enough, the heavens opened and the angels joined in. So I'm just so thankful for all of the ways that we get to celebrate Christ's birth through music. And uh, I, that's one of the things that I just love about the season. Yeah, yeah. Lisa, thank you so much. So for for me i'd say everything around everything around jesus christ is counterintuitive uh, of the coming messiah and everything that we would think from a human level a messiah would come and would conquer and the old testament promises of a messiah and the way god planned it all and the humility that's expressed in the coming of this of the messiah and that was obviously done intentional everything about jesus and his ministry was counterintuitive to what we would say as humans and i i love every aspect of the humility that's on display when christ uh was was born an unlikely person a virgin on the road traveling no room in an inn so they're in a stable born in a manger announcing to shepherds in the field Everything that you would think that he would be announced, God said, no, I, I have a different plan. And that was on full display. And, and I love the Christmas story. In a second, we're actually going to read through it. And I think about always through Mary's lens of the humility of everything that was happening around. And she treasured all of those things in her, in her heart. So it's just that counterintuitive. God, God always surprises us. And even when it came to the coming of the Messiah, God surprised us, and in a counterintuitive way, on display was Christ coming in the most humble of ways, and yet He's our Lord and Savior. 
and something that that we all treasure. So thank you all very much for sharing. That was that was quite meaningful. So we're about to to close out, and we thought the best way for us to do that was to actually read the Christmas story. It's a tradition many of you have. It's actually a tradition that we have as a team at our Christmas party that we have as a ABHE staff. We we read through the Christmas story. So we're actually going to do that here, and then we'll sign off. So this comes from Luke 2, 1 through 20. So Carol, go ahead and get us started. Sure thing. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be, for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly, wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will see a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So Dave, Lisa, Carol, thank you very much for sharing on this uh, podcast. I appreciate each one of you, the leadership that you provide, the dedication that you have for the work that you do at ABHE and our members, our organization. I'm better because I know each of you. So Merry Christmas to the three of you. And from all of the ABHE family to yours, we wish you a very Merry Christmas as you celebrate the birth of our Messiah. So until next time, stay kingdom focused. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to Biblical Higher Ed Talk. For more, follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. 
We're delighted that you chose to spend a part of your day with us and encourage you to reach out to us with feedback, topics, or guests for the show. You can get in touch with Philip, your host, via LinkedIn or at biblicalhighereddtalk at abhe.org. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is a production of the Association for Biblical Higher Education in association with Westport Studios. Views expressed on this show are those of the participants and may not reflect the views of ABHE or Westport Studios. Bring light and life to your biblical higher educational organization by inquiring about membership with ABHE at abhe.org. We'll catch you next time.